Welcome everyone to the Sacred Hockey Mask. I am here and joining me is... Lady Sasha coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. You hesitate. You hesitate before <laughs> sunny there. <laughs> I I don't... It's nerves. I always... You should see when, when Crystal and I do um, uh, Coast to Coast with Crystal and, and Sasha, I always mess up the intro and I always have to refilm it like three times. I don't know why I have this nervous tick about intros. I just do. Well, this is a horror movie podcast. We get together, we've watched mm-hmm. the movie, we talk about it. It really is quite that simple. And up today, we are talking about a very interesting film from Sweden called Coco di Coco da. It almost sounds like that there was a song called Obla di Obla da, and I, that's what kept on playing in my head every time. I hear Coco D Coco Da. I mean, I don't know if the the term itself is something that Sweden, like Swedish, like like I don't know, history or myth or folklore or, or mm-hmm. whatever has, or if it's like an old song there, if it's just made up for the movie. But um, yeah, well, well, we're going to talk about this. We'll start spoiler free as we we always do. This is a an interesting film. It's it's very art house. It's about mm-hmm. a couple. Who lose their young daughter? Their eight-year-old daughter dies uh, suddenly, and it's set a few years after that, where they are trying to go on a little trip to reconnect. Uh, obviously, they're not in a great place uh, after their, after the events of the opening, and they're attacked by some wacky characters when they're camping. There's, there's like a almost like a. I guess they're kind of circus folk, but not not quite. Like they're like you've got, the main guy's kind of like the guy who would run the circus. He's got the little hat mm-hmm. on. He's got a bit of a showman vibe. He's like a creepy old man. Uh, there's a sort of big guy who's, who's like a big dumb sort of dude. Mm-hmm. And you've got a really tall woman who has big hair. Uh, and the, the, the yeah, they they feel yeah like they're from like a like a town fair or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, maybe maybe that's a better thing to say in a circus. Like a but, carnival. Yeah, car- yeah, carnival. Yeah, they're carnies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, I think that's what I was looking for. I just couldn't quite think of it. Yeah, carnies. They're carnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but there's kind of a... I don't want to say time loop, because that's not really what it is, but there is a repetition of the event playing out multiple different ways, and that mm-hmm. kind of goes into... But it's all, it's all serves... Uh, like an art house purpose of exploring their grief about their daughter is what it's kind of really about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we'll get into more stuff about where it's going and how it, what it's saying and what it's doing with that and spoilers. But uh, I, I didn't know that about it. I don't think I don't think I knew that there was going to be a repetition element when I mm-hmm. when I, I sat didn't there. Either. Yeah. So that that was an interesting thing to discover as, as I was going. Um, but. Uh, We'll, we'll get to that in a second. It's Shasha, what did you make of the, the film? I liked how it started out, especially how it uh, gave you a chance to get to know the family, but in a way that seemed very natural. Like, you just see them interacting naturally on vacation, and it wasn't forced, and it wasn't lazy writing. You didn't, you know, have the character... didn't have to have the character say, well, you are my wife. Like, obviously, we know that they're a family, and they just behave like a family. I really give credit to the direction and the writing on that because it just felt like it almost felt like you were like the restaurant scene for example it felt like you were at a table next to them observing them 
And then there's later in the movie when they're driving in the car, a lot of times they would have done the shot reverse shot back and forth between characters. And this, they position you um, in the car as if you're observing them from the back seat as they're driving and having a conversation. And I really like those touches in the movie. Yeah, that's a directing thing. There's the there's mm-hmm. like you almost feel like if if the little girl was still alive, this would be her POV in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tone would be very different, obviously, but uh, yeah, it, like there's a lot of extended just sitting in the back seat watching them from behind, or or even once it does move into the front for another scene, it it, it does this a lot in this movie where it'll stay on a simple shot looking at one character whilst the mm-hmm. other character is going around doing other things. But we sort of just hear it and see glimpses of them as they come on and off camera as we focus on the one character who is stationary. There's a lot of that in this movie, uh, a lot of strong directional style, which I also liked a lot. Like I, I think this had such a strong directorial uh, stamp right from the mm-hmm. get go. Uh, the way it handled certain scenes, uh, the death of the daughter, I thought was impeccable, and it's one of those things where. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I'm going to recommend this as a horror movie per se, because it almost feels like, yeah, there's a lot of horror in it, and it does make some, even some of the normal stuff before it gets to the you know, the, the, the creepy people in the woods. Before it gets to that, though, even like how they discover their daughter's death, there's this sense of dread as you realize, oh, wait, this is it. This is like them mm-hmm. discovering it. And you that kind of sinks in. So there's like a real good, like, like real horror kind of element there. Um, and then there's the actual more other horror stuff that comes in later but uh but that's to say that i don't recommend it because i actually do recommend it quite a bit i think this, this movie's uh pretty great honestly it's not necessarily like what i'd recommend a typical horror fan to watch oh no definitely not this is more i would definitely say this is firmly art house it's, oh, it's definitely an art house movie yeah, yeah. But, but it's very dramatic it's, i would yeah, I was just gonna say it's, yeah. a, it's a psychological art house movie. It's yeah, you know, uh, and it does leave some stuff open for your interpretation. Like, there's mm-hmm. definitely some stuff that we can talk about uh, as we go, um, and yeah, because because the opening of the, the movie is just uh, like we see the creepy, creepy people in the woods just singing a song. Like they sing the the coco di coco da. Although he mm-hmm. pronounces it coco day, coco mm-hmm. di coco day. Uh, and the song sounds like it's a, a mixture between Frere Jaca and and um, there was another song I was hearing. It was Frere Jaca and the Itsy Bitsy Spider. There was some melody that oh, was sure. similar to Itsy Bitsy Spider. I I mean I don't know if this is assuming this isn't just a real song in Sweden, mm-hmm. then that's probably intentional. It's probably mm-hmm. trying to evoke those types of songs, those you know children's. Uh, I don't know what mm-hmm. you call them. They're not lullabies. Like nursery, not, like nursery rhyme songs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's definitely trying to kind of evoke that. and uh, Yeah, like, so you've got that. I think the, the performances of the two lead actors, which is the couple, mm-hmm. uh, of Ellen and Tobias, uh, I think they're both very strong uh, performances. Um, both in the opening section before the death of the daughter and then the the bulk of the film where they're mm-hmm. very strained uh, as a relationship there's a lot of bickering there's a lot of back and forth the, and the writing and the acting here is very very strong because it it gets across so much with just moments of silence or it gets across so much with just 
a moment of like one little line which will just kind of cut deep and it tells you so much mm-hmm. about how how they have been fighting or how how they have been with each other for the past three years because it's three years later uh, the bulk yeah. of the story so and it's it's an examination of how two people handle trauma and how differently they are like or how differently they do he handles it by trying not to take life seriously he's very jubilant he's a jokey type of guy um kind of casual and she is the opposite she's very austere she's very shrill and she's very always putting 20 on 10 and they're polar opposites in how they deal with their trauma yeah and then the other thing obviously it's about that it's it's also i'd say about it's 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 about them not communicating yes Uh, like very much because a a lot of this stuff early on where they're kind of in the car and there's like there's a little bit of bickering there's some awkward silence so much of it is about them not seeing iti but it's not just about them fighting over you know should we do option a or should we do option b obviously some of that is there but it's more about how one doesn't understand why the other wants option b or why the other one wants option a Mm -hmm. uh it's about not communicating how they feel it's about not communicating and effectively what this movie is all about it's it's about the 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 horror and what happens to them is kind of just an allegory or a and in a very art house way because you know it's, it's it's very psychological but uh, and very, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? The it's what, like a metaphor. Well, that's not what I'm looking for. I mean, it is, mm. but like, that's the. I mean, like the tone. It's it's a very like it. it it's going for this kind of. I don't want to say lynching. I feel like that's that's what everyone goes to when they try to describe. Like, I was actually going to go even surreal. further back and say like Twilight Zone, like Rod Sterling, Twilight Zone. You make this mistake too. There's no T in his name. <laughs> well, Rod Sterling. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean Sterling, Sterling. Yes, I don't know why I put the T. The, the reason why I but reacted. Yes, Rod Sterling. The reason but yeah, why. Yeah, how his, how the stories that he wrote for the Twilight Zone were like parables. There was always more to Parab- the story than just the horror, the sci-fi. Par- parable, yes. I mean, all, all stories, to some extent, should be a parable, right? I think all mm-hmm. art should be, to some extent. Uh, the reason why I, I pointed that mistake out, by the way, is because Tara did that for, like, 25 episodes of Twilight Zone reviews <laughs> and then got annoyed at me that I didn't correct her at the start. So, I caught it. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm calling this out. I'm doing it right now. Uh, so, no, I... Yeah, so so it's it's this kind of, but I think parable is a good word here. But I, I would mm-hmm. also go like it has this kind of fairy tale vibe to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's got this kind of. Uh, I think parable is good because parable, I think, conjures the idea of the sort of story you tell a child to like teach them a lesson yeah. to warn them something, right? And like I like how Little Red Riding Hood is about mm, not talking to strangers. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think this has that vibe obviously it's far more complex because it's this this, it's a complex parable about the dangers of not communicating in times of grief right that Mm -hmm. is far too complex for any children's parable but that's kind of what this is it's kind of the art house movie doing that and as that it's kind of great (laughs) it's actually very good at that um and there's lots of stylistic things there's a couple of there's like a after the uh the opening uh, which is you know quite quite. I mean, there's a there's a short opening which is the tease of the, the the bad you know the fairy tale people the the carnies, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then, but there's an extended opening with them in Vacation with Their Daughter where we get to know them as a happy family up until the daughter's death. But there's an interlude after that. There's an interlude that is kind of magical and wonderful. And it comes back thematically later, but it's like a, it's like a paper puppet show. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's clearly obviously representing what's going on because you've got mm-hmm. two rabbits who lose their little rabbit and they, they bury their little rabbit. But there's like this colorful rooster that's flying the the this the is, the rabbit this away. The second horror movie this year I've seen them use shadow puppets in. They use the shadow <laughs> puppets in, in the Candyman uh, sequel. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but uh, yes. Yeah, there's a when you see it, there's a sequence similar to this where they you know communicate a story using the shadow puppets. Mm. I like I like that they're bringing that into film. It's a, uh, it's an art form. It's what is it, like a hundred or so years old. Maybe oh, more? sure, yeah, this is an ancient thing. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. also, the music here in the movie is very good. I think the score is oh, is, yeah. is very, very evocative, very emotional. And I think there's kind of this feeling of hope during this little puppet show, but then it kind of, you know, obviously gets darker mm-hmm. at the end. Um, but obviously, d- during this moment, like, I actually kind of misread... Well, I mean, so much of this is open to interpretation anyway, but mm-hmm. I-, I try to sort of, like... Okay, when I recognized what was going on, I was like, okay, what does the, the, the colorful bird represent? Is the colorful bird, like, like because, because the, 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 little, the little rabbit in this little puppet show seemed to die when the, mm-hmm. when the colorful bird dropped the, the rabbit. So I, I was thinking, oh, was that representing, like, the... Because cause the movie, when we first see her when she's alive, she's actually mm-hmm. looking in the window at this little uh, music box thing, which has... Uh, like a little painting cartoon of the characters in the woods, right? And mm-hmm. they're chasing the the rooster, right? The bird. And I thought, oh, maybe this is like a supernatural thing. And I was, I was going, I was barking way up the wrong tree here. I want to make that clear. This is all wrong. But this is, mm-hmm. but I only had part of the context so far. And I was sort of thinking, oh, is is the bird representing like some sort of pill that was taking her to these like dangerous like cr- you know creatures or mythical beings or whatever they are. And the, the the bird dropping her is like showing that's what killed her, and like we're going to get, dig into this more maybe later on as we go, and and it's not that at all. Like the the, the like it because we get a longer version of it later on, which we'll you know we'll get to mm-hmm. in spoilers. But um, it actually became a lot more sweet when I when I realized what I think the the bird kind of represents and uh all, all the rest of it. So um. Yeah, we should probably go into spoilers now, just so we can talk about the movie properly. But yes. <laughs> like, lot, lot, of, lot of great ideas. I, performances are fantastic. I think the direction is completely confident. Uh, mm. Makes so many moments feel that like they have weight, even though like, and and this this is when you separate a movie from just kind of like being functional to actually really knowing what it's doing, is when every single scene feels important because the direction makes it feel important and i think this movie has that so uh yes points points to johan nelholm Nelholm. i'll probably butcher the pronunciation uh Mm -hmm. but uh yes thank you johan who was the writer and the director i believe yes which is becoming Mm-hmm. If anything, I feel like that's more common these days than having a different writer and director. Yeah. We're in the era of the auteur, I suppose. Uh, 
so yeah, so spoilers from this point on for Coco D, Coco Da. Um, I guess, like, yeah, we'll look at, look at the, the, the opening chunk. Uh, the, so, particularly, so it's their daughter's birthday, like her eighth mm-hmm. birthday the next day, and that's why they've bought her this music box that's wrapped up. Um, and they're at the restaurant, uh, which, and like you said, it's very natural. You have these characters that these, these like comedians are like comedy, I don't know, entertainers coming into the restaurant and they're doing a show. But there's a moment where they're coming in and they kind of interact with everyone. And, the, the, <laughs> and it's, that, that sort of leads us to our main characters. And we see that they are very natural together. They're, they're they all have, uh, like, you know, that like, yeah, you know, they've been at the fair, so they've all they've all got like yeah. the cat the paintings paint. on and stuff. Uh, but the big thing that happens here is that the is that Ellen, the mum, she she starts to feel a little sick, a little unwell, mm-hmm. and it turns out she has an allergic reaction to uh, this, this the shellfish that she had on her pizza, mm-hmm. and she ends up when she comes out of the bathroom, uh, her face is all bloated and red, and she looks you know like a different person, and that's something that you know. They joke about it later because they you know they get a, an ambulance. They get they get there's a helicopter takes them to the hospital, and mm-hmm. later that night when she's sort of back to looking normal and they're, they're sort of joking about it now. Like he even cracks a joke about how she looked like Freddy Krueger when she came out of the, the bathroom, mm-hmm. and th- this is all neat stuff. And it's like and there's a couple of moments on the helicopter ride where the mum says to her daughter like, "Hey, like if you start to feel because you had because she ate the same stuff," and she's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. if you feel." bad or you feel anything let us know like let us know if there's anything wrong and obviously given the rest of the movie i think i think it is probably safe to assume that it was some sort of allergic reaction maybe that killed mm-hmm. her in her sleep uh because uh, you know, obviously i'm at this point i'm thinking of like oh is, it, is there like supernatural reasons that so, did something kill her did something take her soul like what's going on <laughs> uh but they they get her they're, so they're in the hospital and they wake up the next day and it's her birthday and there's been a couple of scenes where like the one of the nurses was sitting talking to her and making small talk and saying oh you're a big girl now and there's enough moments that feel very natural of just like people being nice to her of her parents showing concern for her um and i think the other thing this opening does as well is that it shows you how concerned he is for his wife as well mm-hmm. like tobias's concern for her when she comes out of that bathroom uh is very strong and I think mm-hmm. that's very important because when they're estranged uh, after the time jump, you can feel that difference. You can feel this like oh, yeah. awkwardness. You can feel that when they're in a crisis later with the, the with the the carnies that like it almost feels like he's not even trying to like help her at first. Like mm-hmm. it, it takes a few attempts before he seems to actually even be trying to help her, um, which is such a big difference to like him just seeing like her face look different and being like, oh my god, like my, is my wife going to die? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know. Sound the sirens, ring the bells, alert the you know the coast guard, whatever it may be. Um, but what did you? What, so what did you make of the 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 way they they revealed the daughter's death? I thought it was a very dramatic scene. It was well done as far as the acting and how everything was set up. I also liked how the the hospital setting was. They had a lot of different, I mean, it's as much as this feels like a very encapsulated movie, they did have a, a, a few different locations. Like they had the vacation location where, you know, they're sitting out on the deck, then they had the, the helicopter and then the hospital. 
I, I thought it was well done and it made you care about them because they gave you that opportunity to get to know them. When this happens to them, you, you kind of care. Whereas if they didn't give you that time to develop the characters, you wouldn't, the, the scene wouldn't hit as hard. That's what I'm saying. I like how you spent a moment there to tick, like, it's, it has three other locations, therefore it's technically not a bottle movie, therefore I, I don't have to write it off immediately. It's still my second least favorite genre, which is the, the survivalist horror movie. Ever since, like, Wolf Creek to Eden Lake, I hate that we went camping and got attacked movies. I really <laughs> I don't like them at all. Yeah. This wasn't that bad. Well, that's because it's not really that. Like, I, I know mm-hmm. on the surface it kind of looks like that, but it's, it's yeah. not. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think the discovery of the daughter's death is wonderful. What happens mm-hmm. is that uh, they, they, they sneak out when she's still sleeping, or they think she's still sleeping, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they sneak out and get her a little birthday cake, and they're, they're going to like wake her up by singing happy birthday. And they're kind of joking a little bit because they're, cause they're Swedish, and I think they're, uh, they're on vacation. Uh, so... They, they make a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they're on vacation in Denmark. Was it Denmark? Yeah. So I think yeah. he, he cracks a little joke about what language to speak, uh, what mm-hmm. they sh- what what they should sing the the song in, and they start singing Happy Birthday, and after a couple of lines, she's not waking up. I went, oh, holy shit, this is the death. This is how they're going mm-hmm. to find out her, her daughter's dead. She's not going to wake up from Happy Birthday. That is like absurdly dark. Like, mm-hmm. and not in a not like, and not in like a a cartoony way. It's like a very sad, dark, like, it's like a darkly ironic death, right? Is to discover it when you're singing happy birthday. It, it, there's just like a really sort of, like, the universe is a cruel place if this is how you come across this. Uh, and then and their realization, then they're like, oh, she's not waking up, that's weird. And they go up and like, shake her, and they're like, wait a minute, she's cold. And they start, and, you know, the scene ends, it cuts to the, the puppet show, uh, with with Ellen screaming, you know, for for the nurses and the doctors who come right in, and like she, you know, she wasn't even really the one who was in the hospital. Like you know, the mum was the one who was really. I mean, I think they checked the daughter to make sure she was okay, like the day before, but she wasn't the one who was the patient. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're pressing the emergency button. They're like, you know, come in here, and they're screaming. Like the, the scene turned from happiness to mm-hmm. holy shit, this is about to happen to absolute, like, emotional chaos with just screaming and, like, frantic, like, desperation. Uh, mm-hmm. In a nutshell, it was kind of like, okay, if you weren't sold in the movie yet, this scene should sell you in the rest of this movie. This should this should make you feel like you're in conf- confident hands. Uh, and that's what I got from it, because, like, from this scene, I was like, okay, right, I'm, I'm in. All right, what you, what you got from your movie? Um, and when it comes back for the puppet show, it's the car trip... Uh, to the camping, where they bicker over what ice cream cone she got. Uh, mm-hmm. wasn't even actually, sorry, it was a Cornell. It looked like a Cornell to me. But uh, this is probably a very European thing. I don't know if you know what a Cornell is. <laughs> no, I don't. It's just a type I of don't. ice cream cone, but it's like a brand. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they're bickering over the... I think you talk about the movie feeling natural, and part of that is just that we're sitting in this one shot in the back seat as it's playing out. Mm-hmm. And... Usually in movies when someone's driving, we're in the car, like they're not really driving, they're being pulled by another vehicle yeah. or they're being pushed by another vehicle. Um, this felt so natural that I, I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that he might have just really been driving. And Yeah, I, it looked like he was really driving. It, 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 it genuinely did. Um, and 
I think it was also the locations as well. Like, it felt like they were, yeah, they were at some sort of, like, you know, they were connecting to the highway, they were, like, just mm-hmm. coming out of a junction. It just, everything about it just felt like, oh, this, this feels like a real boring car ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this doesn't feel exciting in a good way. Like, this feels like a, a, a normal, like, the awkward, and all the sounds of the, like, you know, the, the indicator ticking, the... Uh, the gear stick shifting, the, you know, all, all the little sounds and details of being in a car felt very natural. And I know that's just like a weird thing to praise, but so many movies just kind of ignore a lot of it. They don't, they don't, it's like they don't really care. And and it was the first interaction where you see their lack of communication because her major issue is, oh, you got me the wrong ice cream. Why didn't you say that before he pulled off from the ice cream place? You would wait till he gets on the highway. And then go, oh, this is the wrong ice cream. Yeah, but you then he said that, like, right. <laughs> but then he complains that, you know, you, you know, you, I thought that's what you wanted. Then she says, well, if you'd paid attention, you know, if you, if you were listening properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, you know, I'm a dumb man. I, I, I will uh, admit this, but I am fairly certain that it's not about the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, not about the ice also, cream. <laughs> I, I dislike when women do this. Don't say you should know why I'm mad. That is that you is dislike super... when women do that. You yes, dislike I... it. <laughs> yes, because they do it to their friends too. They do it oh. to their female friends too. And I don't. Maybe my mind works differently, but I'm just like, just tell me why you're mad. Because <laughs> I'm I'm the type of person I I will just tell you. I'll say that pissed me off that you did X Y and Z. <laughs> but like it's it the whole you should know why I'm mad thing is just it's infuriating because sometimes people don't know why you're mad. Yeah. I don't think it applies in this case though, because yeah, in this case, this is not like he's done something to piss her off and she's mad about it, but she's not telling him this is, they're both like mad and not communicating for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And we know what that reason is. They know mm-hmm. really what that reason is, but they're just not willing to accept that they're, they're struggling and that they have to like, like find each other again. Right. Like, Mm-hmm. so it's a little bit it's not a petty thing i mean the ice cream sounds petty on face value but it's not mm-hmm. about the ice cream uh yeah you know like they're, they're 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 dialed up at this point and you know and then we hear later on uh because we don't get all of this right now we get like a lot of this initial stuff um every time when we get to the camping every time we end a loop just for lack of a better word uh we actually get a little bit more of the trip there whether it be in the car right before they get there, mm-hmm. whether it be when they stop the car and he's like wanting to pitch the tent, uh, so just to sort of bundle that together just now because I, I like I'm never going to remember where each one specifically like happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they argue about she wants to go to a a B and B because motel. I'm with her. Oh yeah, I'm with her too. Uh, because I, mean, I don't understand I... sleeping on the ground as vacation. I don't know if motel is a thing that's used in mainland Europe, but definitely in the UK, there's no such thing as a motel. That's just, that's Mm -hmm. a very American thing. Uh, B&B is typically what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, which is bed and breakfast for anyone who didn't get that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, um, so, she she wants to do that, and she's basically begging, like, promise me, like, if we pass one, you'll stop, and we can, we can, you know, stay there for the night. And he's like, no, we decided we're going to do camping. That's what we said. We decided camping, so we're going to do camping. And we find out that he doesn't even go to, like, a camping ground. Like, that's where they're supposed to be going, like, a designated area. Mm-hmm. He basically just says, look, we can just turn here. And he just, like, drives into a random part of forest <laughs> off the countryside, uh, which is what leads them there. And 
like there's so many like like I say like the moments where it's just lingering on one person and like they're moving around there's, there's when they park and she's sitting there and we focus on her sitting there uncomfortable uh, eating her sandwich and she's like she's mad because there's mosquitoes she doesn't feel comfortable she doesn't feel warm she doesn't feel safe um, and he isn't listening to her he's just and not that she's voicing a lot of this it, most of it's just in her performance so again very good mm-hmm. performance because it's getting a lot of this across it's mostly little bickering comments or awkward silence and he's like looking for something for the tent like and he's like rummaging in the back seat and he's he, he walks around but he keeps like walking on and off camera as we're just focusing mm-hmm. on her and it's like and i think what this does right i mean obviously it's a, it's a good effect uh in directing but what it specifically does in this movie is that every time it does this whether it's from her perspective in this case where it's focusing on her and he's like moving around or there's some scenes later on where it's focusing on him and the loops where he's we're following him and she's like a bystander in his story is that each time it does this it's making their story like or sorry let me rephrase that because that that could be plural too it's making it just that person's story and the other person's around for their story as opposed to this is them as a couple united story it it, mm-hmm. it, it keeps them separate every time we get a, a moment like this or every time there's a scene where it only focuses on one and not them as a pair it, you know, it doesn't do the traditional movie thing of cutting back and forth or giving us two shots or whatever mm-hmm. doing this thing where it focuses on one and occasionally the other person's like in the frame because they're kind of coming back and forth but for mm-hmm. the most part it's just on her in this scene and that's like making them feel like separate. It's making them feel like they're not in sync because he's moving around and doing things and she's just sitting there. It's just a simple visual thing that just, it feeds into the theme of the movie that just makes everything feel a bit richer. And it's just really good stuff. Definitely. Also, just the, the I felt like when he turned off the road, it was like, almost like an act of aggression towards her. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, yeah, he was just like, well, I'll show her. I'm just going to go park anywhere and camp. Yeah. Rather that... than, again, communicating why you're upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's doing it to prove a point. And he's like, no, we can just camp here. He's like, it's, it's almost that joke thing of like uh, saying, look, I'm camping because I'm happy. Like, look how happy I am as I hammer the nail into the ground. <laughs> like, you know, just that, that kind of uh, attitude. Again, it doesn't have to say all of that uh necessarily mm-hmm. uh, you get a lot of it across in the performances which is again it makes it feel like we are analyzing because sometimes performances are very like surface level this is not mm-hmm. surface level performances these are very uh nuanced performances that have a lot of depth and because of that we don't have to be told a lot of things we can see yes. them we can feel them we can get them and that makes it more rewarding as a viewer to to kind of mm-hmm. experience. So that stuff is is really well done. Uh, and then we get to the 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 carnies and the mm-hmm. and you know kind of supernatural, but not really because I kind of don't really take any of this literal. It kind of feels like it's like if you want to read it, it's just it's happening and it's supernatural and it's going on. Uh, than cool i can it kind of feels like you know you mentioned twilight zone earlier it's definitely kind of twilight zoney in a way um i, I you know I, I would maybe tack on like a not not as a depressingly like like better end as this but like a little bit of silent hill where it's like 
which I guess is just me going back to Twilight Zone, where they've they've wandered into a place or at least a state of mind where this happens mm-hmm. to them until they kind of figure out why it's happening to them, and that like gets them out of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. At first, I didn't know that it was going to be supernatural because when they first approached, I just took them for just three carnies and one of them was carrying a dead dog, and that should have been the that should have been the the, the hint that this was going to be supernatural because I was sitting here the whole time thinking, why is he carrying this dead dog? Yeah, every time we go through a loop, the the, the big guy is carrying this dead dog. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've got another dog. Though. They've got like a like a brown dog who's like active yeah. and like biting. But he's carrying like this dead white dog like every time mm-hmm. at the start of the, the loops. And, and that becomes clear. And at, at the end of the, the movie, you kind of see, oh, that's where this dog comes from and this is why it was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of implies that all of this happens al- al- almost in their heads. Like almost mm-hmm. like this is them working through their shit in their heads and all of the crazy scenarios that if they don't get their shit together, if they don't, because I, I almost see this movie is, is about the danger of miscommunication, and these are all the bad things that'll happen if you don't get on the same page. And obviously, it's kind of extreme because it's like, oh yeah, if you don't communicate, carnies will come out of the woods and like kill you. Like that's a bit of a weird, <laughs> weird thing. But there's a lot of little symbol, symbolic things, and how it does a lot of these little scenes mm-hmm. and moments. Oh, like the, the cat too. The cat, in the, the stark white cat in the woods. Yeah, yeah. That should have been a, a tip off too, because if this cat lived in the woods, its coat would not have been that pristine and clean <laughs> yeah I, I get i don't think of it as supernatural i think of it as more like psychological and then mm-hmm. because i think at the end of the movie like i don't think those carnies existed i don't think they were no, real. I, you know i kind of look at it as like a dark fairy tale yeah yeah i think that's a good way of putting that um so ellen wakes up in the morning it's, it's sort of like still a little dark but not you know it's, it's, it's light but it's, she's still using her torch uh, but she she used to pee, and she's like, "I'm gonna go pee," and he's like, "Ah, oh, outside. I don't want you to pee in here. Like, go go outside." And she does. She goes out, pops a squat, and she sees the cat who runs away. And I think it's notable that this cat is almost like a because the only times we see the cat are on the way into the, the the forest when we get that scene. They see it in the road, and it runs out of the way. And then here it sort of runs out of the way. And then later on it becomes something that leads her to a place. So, so the cat almost represents mm-hmm. like a warning or like a, a guide of some kind. It uh, kind of reminded me of Alice in Wonderland when she, didn't she bit. chase a bunny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, so the cat runs away though. And then when she turns around, the carnies are there and she freaks out because, you know, she's crouched mm-hmm. down pissing, right? Mm-hmm. And they start like taunting her. The, the old guy like says some weird stuff. Um, and the brown dog likes to drink urine, and I was just like, "Why? That, that, <laughs> Why is this happening?" <laughs> that's a little bit weird. Although I, I think yeah. symbolically, there's something later on with that that I I kind of yeah. appreciate. Uh, and obviously at this point, there's enough noise that we eventually cut back to the tent, and and Tobias is looking through the little crack at the bottom, and he's like, "Oh no!" And he he's going to try and get away, but they like. Is it this? Is it this first one where they, they bring him out in his underwear and he, they just mm-hmm. have him at gunpoint? So because he, there's a knife in one of the bags and he tries to get to the knife. But I'm sorry, I had but, to laugh about when he was in his underwear and an old man doesn't he just like 
tap his junk with his cane like or he or he points to it or something oh no i i was just getting to this it's, it's not it's not even his cane he 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 touches it with his finger he yeah so so this is the thing so he's standing there and he's tight ways right as tobias mm-hmm. and he's scared and he's been held at gunpoint and it's we don't see the death of ellen but the, the body's lying there so it's kind of a, mm-hmm. you know and we heard a gunshot so we presume she's dead Mm-hmm. And they're kind of taunting him, and he does this thing where the big woman's holding the gun, and it's a really old timey looking gun. It's not like a modern. Oh yeah, gun. it looked like a World War Two gun. Yeah, uh, but he does this thing where he like put the, the old man that is. He puts his finger on the tip of the gun, and so it goes do 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 do, and sort of tracks where the shot's going to go, and mm-hmm. he goes to his crotch, and he actually just goes bunk on on his <laughs> penis, and. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it, it it was kind of like, uh, like because he's in his tighty whities and like mm-hmm. he's kind of standing there all kind of cold and like his junk just kind of being there mm-hmm. <laughs> was kind of like hard to not like notice. But I did not expect the old man to be like, bunk. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't expect that either. With such glee, but I think I do, I do actually think there's a symbolic thing here. Not so much this on its own. But I think the fact that in this scene, like, they focus on his genitals, and then in a later loop, right, when this happens, maybe it's the third or fourth time, where uh, the dog is drinking the urine uh, from Ellen, uh, the old man, this like, a few loops in, says to the dog, oh, why not just go to the source and get the pussycat? And the dog starts just licking straight from her crotch. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is an accident. I think it's very important that their genitals, and not in a gratuitous way. It's not like we see anything. It's not like no, it's just, it, it's, Im- it's implied. Yeah, and it's only one time each. Really, it's not. It's not like mm-hmm. something they come back to a lot. It's one time for each person. But I think the I think that's intentional because, uh, you know, to, to, to get a bit of birds and the bees here, those are the mm-hmm. parts that were used to create the dar. I think that's mm-hmm. got a lot to do with this. I think this is like. Like in their minds, like if they're feeling guilty about this or, or whatever, like I th- I think like all almost like they see themselves as like responsible for their daughter's death that they weren't good enough, even though it's not really their fault. But they brought their daughter into this world, so there's almost like this to them, like their their affection for each other, and then literally their genitals because that's what's used in lovemaking and to create babies. Mm-hmm. They kind of like. I feel like extreme saying this word, but I almost feel like in their heads they kind of consider their own like like genitals as their murder weapons because mm-hmm. they created a daughter, their daughter was taken from them, that life ended, and there's one of the scenes that we get when it flashes back is like him like trying to initiate sex, like and not even like for a long time. He just kind of says, "Hey, it's mating season," and he says he's horny, and she mm-hmm. just kind of gives him the cold shoulder, and it's just this like you know uh but i i do think that's the symbolism of having their genitals be like a target in both cases you're reminding me of um oh what movie was called it was uh antichrist oh sure similar, yeah, yeah similar thing where they lost a child and there are scenes where both of their genitalia gets injured that was a lot more graphic than this was yes, though way uh, more graphic but same concept <laughs> yeah no uh, so I, I do think that's a thing. I, mean, I, I, I really hesitate using the word murder weapon because that feels a bit mm-hmm. extreme. But like I, I think, in a subconscious way, that's kind of like maybe something they're feeling. 
is that them using their genitals in that way is only going to lead to more heart heartache and more downfall, right? Um, so we get a few loops, and it's a little bit different each time. Where he seems to start, he seems to be remembering it a little bit. Uh, each time where he wakes up, and it's like he had a dream. So he starts actually trying to like get away. He tries to run to the car. He tries to pull her to the car. Uh, at one point, the, the like she runs out of the car, um, and uh, like they, they, you know, it doesn't matter that they got like far away down the road. Like the the car needs to come and get them. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it's them not being on the same page. Because she runs out of the car to go pee. Because she's mad. Mm-hmm. She's mad that he dra- dragged her into the car. There's another time where. She's in the tent and he's hiding in the car in his underwear. Uh, but they still find him. They still come and get him in the car. Uh, you know, they have to really that, be on the same That part page. made me angry because when he was hiding in the car, I assumed, oh, he's hiding there because he couldn't get it to start. And then after the, the carnies show up and terrorize her again, he starts at the car and drives away. I'm like, why did he do that? Why, why didn't he just tell her? You know, I saw some people in the woods. Like, he could have even made it up and said, I saw some people in the woods were in danger getting a car. And they could have left. But instead, he just hides in the car. What what, what have we been talking about? This is a movie about the lack of communication. Yeah. So, you know. That was just. And it was. I think this scene was made to make you feel irritated by by the situation. Yeah. The the way I read this is that. So, he. So, there's a lack of communications from both of them. Don't get me wrong. he's He's not the better of the two here. But. He's the one who it feels like he's at least on face value trying to move on in the world because he's the one who's like trying to make jokes. He wants to go camping. He wants to try and like do things to feel normal again, right? He's the one who's mm-hmm. kind of trying to do that. And I think that's why he's the one that kind of remembers each time and he's the one who's actively trying to get away where she's the one who, albeit doesn't understand why he's doing this, um is the one who kind of keeps not going or has to be forced. And then every time she's forced, it doesn't work, right? If it, it falls apart because she runs out of the car or for whatever other reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we, when we get to the next loop after this, we kind of get this implication that maybe there's a lot more loops that we don't see. Because it's almost like time has passed. Because when she wakes up the next time in the tent, we follow her. He's not there. Mm-hmm. And she gets outside and she's... And it's snowing. And the way I read this is that I think this was kind of like a, a vision of like, if this keeps going the way it's going, eventually they're going to separate, right? And she's going to be alone. Because she's older here as well. When she gets up this time, she's she's an older woman. She's like, you know, on the other side yeah. of middle-aged. Um, And he's not there. There's just like a, you know, a sleeping bag that's kind of empty and whatever. Um... And she gets out of the tent and she sees the cat and she follows the cat and the footsteps of where he might have went. And it's this kind of idea that he kept trying to move on, but she was left behind because she just refused to move on. Mm. And she follows the cat up to this uh, little, was that a church or was that just a little house? I can't remember. It looked like but, a little cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little, I don't know, cabin or part or something. But she gets in mm. and it's like a little, it's just, you know, there's the shadow puppet, uh, like stage and I think there's a I think maybe at this when we first saw the shadow puppet thing at the start there was like a red curtain at least at one point there was definitely yeah. a, a shot of a red curtain there was that... a, a red curtain that opened and then you can almost see um the silhouette of the carnies behind it as if they're the yeah. ones working the shadow puppets yeah so then th- um so she sits down and she watches the show and it starts off kind of similar to what we saw earlier uh but this time uh afterwards 
the colourful bird, the colourful rooster, is still around, and the two parent rabbits um, get kind of mad at it, and they get, like, bows and arrows and shoot it down and then trap mm-hmm. it in a cage. And it's, like, this really, like, depressing thing. And this is where, like, okay, I think I, I misread what that bird represents. I think mm-hmm. that bird represented the... I don't know what word to use, but the the hopes of the daughter, the the, the life, the mm-hmm. spirit, you know, the the life force, the energy, the the just the you know the the, the love of the daughter, right? Yeah. Right. I, I interpret it as them holding on to their grief rather than letting their daughter go and ascend into heaven. They're holding on to the memory of her and turning it into grief. Yeah, yeah. I I also that's definitely there. I I also kind of read it because, um. Like so, so they shoot it down and they put it in a cage, and yeah, like you say, that's kind of a metaphor for not letting the the you know not go, not grieving, not letting it go, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I also think it was kind of like it it was sad. It lost its color, like its wings fell off, and it was like yeah. this like skinny bird. And I kind of took that as you're also ruining like that memory. Yeah. You're lo- you're lo- ruining, and you're kind of. You're killing that that spirit that, that that's there between you that, that your daughter represented, and then it gets struck by lightning, and it's like it maybe died, and it's like really sad for a second, but then the bird's wings sprout, mm-hmm. and uh, it flies up, and it's like no, the spirit will live again, and it'll be fine, and it's the mm-hmm. old version of Ellen who sits and watches this play out, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like her realizing this loop that they're in is them kind of like having the, the the bird trapped in the cage and they have to kind of leave they have to let this go and that 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 that, that the happier side of remembering someone who's died like the, you know remembering mm-hmm. their good qualities remembering how they made you feel uh and the the positivity that can come from that and all the other things that's what this bird kind of represents and they, they were like killing it they were they, they they hurt it and they injured it and they killed it and they, they wouldn't let it move on um they wouldn't let it fly free, and mm-hmm. that's why you know because on the little art and the, the little the wind up music box thing, like it was these characters, these carnies chasing the rooster. Um, I don't think it's an accident that those are the the beings that they see as attacking them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, so once again they wake up and uh, Tobias, as he's been doing, just now that he's like remembering things better he sna- he jumps up and grabs her and they go to the car uh and it's still by force don't get me wrong she doesn't just accept and like go like she's still like kind of mad and whatever mm-hmm. but he drives away and this time she actually wets herself in the seat she doesn't re- leave the car she still stays in the car that's the important part is that mm-hmm. None of this is easy. All of it's hard and still kind of looks like bad. Like mm-hmm. you know, she gets forced. And he's out. still in his underwear. And he's still in his underwear. <laughs> like, you would think at one time in these loops that he would just sleep with his clothes on. Like <laughs> the second time, I'd be like, you know what? Let me just keep my pants on. <laughs> well, I, I don't think the loop starts before they go to sleep, though. I think I think it just it just wakes up. Whatever. Well, when he wakes up, he automatically knows what's going to happen. Yeah, but you're, you're, you you said he should just keep his clothes on. The loop starts after he's taken them off. Mm. So he's waking up in those tight whiteies no matter what. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what's happening. Uh but they're driving and then as they're going down the, the road, uh there's some music playing. Uh he turns it up, it's this the, the Coco D Coco Da song. Mm-hmm. 
and then that white dog is in the road and they hit it which sends the car or it was sends the car like into like a, a, a not even a lake it's just like a big puddle effectively mm-hmm. uh, uh and crashes and like they're just sitting there in this absurdity and it's this really stark moment uh, where he's sitting there in his underwear she's sitting there having like wet herself and they're just looking at each other and they just break down crying and hug mm-hmm. and that's the end of the movie but i mean barring there's like one sort of like surreal shot of the the daughter in like a the dark daughter room. sitting there with the yeah. with the music box yeah and the the three characters are on the music box yeah, and they were on the... makes sense because they look cartoonish, like especially yeah. the big gentleman with the drawn-on unibrow. He looked like something that would be in a cartoon and not a real person. And and they were there at the start of the movie as well, I think. Like when you when mm-hmm. you when Charlotte, yeah, yeah, when yeah. they were, yeah, they were the performers. I think, I think one of them, or were there different performers? Because there was it was like a a couple with old age makeup on, and the lady had like these no, 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 no. I no, I'm not talking about them. They were different people. Oh, okay. I'm talking. I'm talking about the uh, on the music box at the start of the movie. They were they were on oh, it then too. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even look closely at the music box. Yeah. Until um, the end of the movie, when they show it again. Yeah, obviously you're paying more attention at that point because you mm-hmm. you've got context for a lot of stuff. But yeah, like th- this movie, obviously, like it's open to interpretation. There's definitely people will have different reads on like certain scenes or. Or certain like things, but like I, I think the ultimately communication and like at the end of the movie, the ending is them finally turning to each other and just sort of like actually emotionally letting each other in and mm-hmm. le- letting each other see how each other's feeling. Um, because everything before that is still like it's still this turmoil. They still have to go through this awful morning and like imagine like the situation they're now in. Like they will look like crazy people. Like because mm-hmm. he's sitting there in his underwear. I don't know if we've got more clothes in the car if they were all in the bags than the tent, but like it, it just it has this thing. So, um, and because and because the the big guy was carrying the dead dog in each of the loops, it kind of mm-hmm. gives you this feeling that all of this played out in a weird way. Like maybe like right after they hit the dog, and then before they started crying. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like it, was, it was almost like time stood still and all of this happened in their heads in that moment kind of thing. Um, because they did just kill something else. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, not intentionally. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Which, which, you know, gives you this idea of, like, you know, if they, if they, they just, did he just wake up and, like, there wasn't really a loop, per se. They, he just woke up in his underwear and grabbed mm-hmm. her and they ran into the car and this is where they are mentally because of them just not moving on and not grieving and not communicating and not uh, mm-hmm. being healthy mentally. So, uh, but really good stuff. Like uh, all of it, like works. All like every scene is so well directed. Uh, the characters are well established. The performances are very good, and I, I think. It's one of those things where sometimes like, when you tell someone, oh, it's a movie that's ambiguous and it's open to interpretation and it's psychological mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Like, I, I do think there's some apprehension sometimes because it can come across as a bit try-hard and it can come across yeah. as just kind of like... Uh, like pretentious. Pretentious. But I, don't think, I didn't feel that this was pretentious to me. No, no. I, I think the, the, the difference ultimately is does it feel that there's actually like a method to the madness and that there's actually... Mm-hmm. You can kind of feel the ideas coming through... Um. 
and I think in this you absolutely can. I, I people have different interpretations to a point, but I do think that everyone will kind of agree what the the themes are and what the 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 characters are kind of going through, more mm-hmm. or less. Like, I, like I'll, regardless of how you interpret the rest of the movie, I think everyone's going to agree at that moment at the end of them finally hugging and crying, is them mm-hmm. finally dealing with what's happened to them and then finally reconnecting over the death of the door. So yeah. Uh, and because of that, like everything else rings true as as long as it fits into that in some way or another, and I I think it does. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I I was very impressed. I you know I, I was mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd heard some good things. I'd heard a few people recommend it, so I mm-hmm. I was optimistic, but uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and I, and I too was kind of glad that it wasn't just oh they're right in the woods for an hour yes. from bad guys. You know. I, I think by the time it gets to like the third loop, you're you're, you're kind of aware that mm-hmm. this is more about how do we break this loop than it is about or how scary the bad guys are or how yeah. intimidating they they might be or whatever. So, um, that was good. Um, all right. Well, would you like to rate Coco D? Oh, I would da? give this a seven, and I would definitely recommend it to people, especially if you like the Babadook, which is similar in that it's a horror movie but also explores uh mm. emotional issues and you know and it has it's also a parable for i don't want to give away what what it's a parable for because that would kind of spoil the movie but yeah yeah um but yeah i i enjoyed this a lot more than i thought i was going to i i'm actually kind of um I feel bad I didn't watch it earlier because it was available on it's been available on shutter for a while and yeah, yeah that's just this... You know, this was like maybe September, October last year. This this mm-hmm. hit. So, um, no, really good stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I think I'm going to go as high as an eight. I, I think the direction was was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was constantly impressed with the just the tone and the awkward silences between the characters and how everything felt like it was saying something. Uh, it felt very well orchestrated. And mm-hmm. if you can nail that psychological art house thing, if you can give me that. And I'm captivated mm-hmm. by, it and I'm like tantalized by the the details. Like I, I can get into it. Um. So no, very good. And I, if anything, I think I like it a bit more than the Babadook. Uh, mm. the Babadook is a good movie, and I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. But I did feel that the ending kind of was a little bit weird because it it kind of it blurred the lines of like whether or not the movie was doing real supernatural stuff or if it was doing like more like allegorical stuff uh it kind of weird i thought the ending was a message for that whereas this i I took it as more allegorical because they were i'm gonna say this without spoiling i took it as them compartmentalizing something that they were dealing with sure sure they were still dealing with it but now it wasn't as strong as it was before and now and that eventually they'll be able to get it to decrease more and more until it's not, not there anymore which is how usually things. Well, if you if you have an issue, a particular issue, and you go to therapy. That's generally what your goal is to chip away at whatever this issue is until it decreases and decreases and it decreases until it, it, it. In some cases, it may always be there, but at least it's only just a little part there, and not overwhelming your life. Yeah, it's been too long for me to make any kind of proper mm-hmm. argument, but uh, I I just remember feeling kind of weird and underwhelmed by the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas this, I think, the ending works. And I, I think it's partly because the Babadook 
feels to me like it's trying to be more of a horror movie and it's actually very good at doing that that's, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily that much of a critique but whereas this i think it because it's very clear early on that this is more a like it's very clear early on what this movie is i think it doesn't feel like it ever is pretend to be something it isn't even though there is very good horror 10 scenes it never feels like it's trying to do like i think the ending feels true to what the movie set up at the start as to what this is about this is about emotional trauma this is about communication mm-hmm. and that's what the everything so everything felt i felt fulfilling to me at the end uh on the other side of it so um but yeah there you go that's a uh, coco di coco da uh, is very very good uh, i would recommend it so by all means uh, let us know what you think of the the movie nz comments uh you can, of course, uh, like, subscribe. Those are very important on YouTube. And uh, ding the bell for notifications. They help YouTube tra- YouTube channels grow. You can also support us, of course, by over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, and, of course, I will thank our Patreon producers, which you get the producer status at one of the higher tiers, of course. But uh, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Borden Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, those are producers at the time of recording, so thank you very much to them. Uh, and you can also catch us on Twitter at Screams Midnight for all of the Mail Fuzz movies uh, related updates. So that's for this Screams After Midnight and the Atomic Cinema Experiment. And check out those shows too, because why not? Uh, Shasha, would you like to promote your uh, your channel? As always, you can find me on What Did I Just Watch on Mondays. I'm on Hood Podcast where we react to news of the weird and strange internationally so because there is a hood in every country basically and i will be returning shortly with uh coast to coast horror with crystal and shasha and we have a a few good episodes coming up for october and as well as cosplay so definitely check out my channel for october because that's my month well you're a horror person so yes i mean (laughs) A lot, lot of horror fans say that about October. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so there you go. That is uh, that is the show. That has been Coco Dico with us. So thank you very much for joining us once again. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies and remember that if you see someone wearing the sacred mask, repeat to yourself, hockey season ended months ago.